Today, we're gonna wrap up the journey series. I'm excited to be wrapping up the journey series for you with a message called The New You. Turn to the person next to you and call, say, The New You. All right, now turn to the person you just neglected on the other side of you and say it like you mean it. It's the new you, right? Now apologize for neglecting them. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do all that. No, but today we want to get into the message called the new you. Let's dive straight in. Pull out your sermon notes if you got those on the way in. And we're going to start off where Pastor has been starting off throughout the series in Exodus, and then we're going to move around a little bit. Exodus 6, 6 and 7 says, uh, and it's talking, sorry, it's talking about um, the Israelites being taken out from under the burden, taken out from under slavery with the Egyptians, okay? So Jesus is talking to them. He says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, so here at Transformation Church, if you're new, if you're not new, you've been with us a while, you've probably heard these four steps over and over and over. Because how many guys have ever been part of churches or seen churches? And it's like one of those things where we just try to get someone saved and then we just hang on for as long as we can, right? Like everyone, everyone been a part of those or seen those churches? Like we want to get the gospel out, but then we just want to hold on as long until Jesus comes back or whatever. Until <laughs> we go, you know, we're just going to hang on and hope that it gets better. Uh, and we as a church, we don't necessarily want you to have to go through that. We actually have four steps we want you to experience at Transformation Church. So salvation, yes, we want you to know God. That's one of the biggest things for us is we do want you to know God because nothing else makes sense without having God as the root and center of your life. Amen. So we want that to be a first. We want that to be a step, but it's only the first step because the next thing we want you to do is we want you to find freedom. We want you to experience a deliverance. How many guys know that just because if, if you're saved, maybe you've come to the Lord. How many guys know just because you come to the Lord doesn't mean that everything in your past automatically goes away? How many guys are still dealing with some stuff and trying to work all that out? Right. So we've got that, too. The next step is that we want you to discover your purpose. And so in discovering your purpose, we believe that God designed you uniquely. We're going to get into that in a few minutes. And then lastly, we want you to make a difference. So for us, it's not enough to have a difference made in you. We actually want you to now take that and let's use what God has done in you to do that for someone else. Amen. How many guys know, how many guys have ever maybe given five bucks to someone on a street corner or impacted someone's life in some sort of way? How many guys know you got you walked away from that getting something just as much as they walked away from it, right? The Lord did something in you. And so we want you to then in turn make a difference. Um, and so that is the four steps that we want every single person at Transformation Church to experience. Uh, and today we're going to look at the new you. So Pastor laid out those four steps individually throughout the week so you can get on podcast or on CD. Today we're going to talk about the new you. Are you ready? So one of the things that we're going to do in talking about the new you is we're actually going to take kind of a, what we call expository walk through uh, 2 Corinthians 5. So we're going to start at verse 17. We're actually going to roll this thing all the way through verse 21. So if you have your Bibles, you can get those out. If you don't, it's on the sermon notes that you got. If you didn't get some of those, then it's going to be on the TV behind me. And if you missed the TV behind me, then you just don't want to be here and that's okay. No, I'm just kidding. So... No, in all seriousness, uh, follow along with us. It's going to be a good time. So the first thing that we want you to understand in the new you, <clears throat> because how many guys would recognize and how many would agree? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many would recognize that life happens, 
right? Things come to you, things come against you, life happens, and it doesn't matter how good you are, and it doesn't matter if you're saved, we're still gonna experience trials along the way, and this journey is gonna bring us into situations where we're going, what is going on up there, right? And so one of the things that's been happening a lot through uh, my son, for those who don't know, my son is very sick, um, and so we're praying for healing in his body, and that has created a lot of confusion. One of the things that people have been doing as they're coming up to me, they've been telling me about their problems, but then they've been gauging their problems against my problems. So it's like, all right, I mean, I got this going on. It's nothing as bad as you, what you have going on. But it, and I'm like, man, you don't have to preface that because how many guys know it doesn't matter how bad someone else's problems are, my problems are still my problems, and they're still bad for me. So you know, one thing it's going to help you as far as getting past what's going on in your life is not to try to compare it to what other people are going through. Just accept that your problems are your problems and let's start finding freedom to those things and start letting God work in through us so that we can get past all these things that are coming at us. But one of the things that I want you to understand is that it doesn't matter how much freedom you get. It doesn't matter what the Lord does in you. Life is still going to bring things against you. Amen. So whether it's sickness, whether it's heartache, whatever, don't worry, the message is going to get better. Some of you guys are like, oh gosh. No. How many guys know, but life can bring things. And so we want to show you a few ideas on how uh, we can get past those things. Number one, we want to show you on your sermon notes that you can fill in the blanks is that the new you has three things that are unique. Three things that we want you to grab a hold of, observe, and let's put these things into practice in our life. Number one, the new you has freedom. The new you has freedom. Everyone say freedom. freedom. The new you has freedom. And so when our life is bringing things against us, what we want you to understand is just like I was saying, because life is bringing things at us and life is coming at us at such a fast pace and things do go wrong in our world. How many guys will admit that there is enough things going wrong in our world? We don't need to add to it. <laughs> right? But how many of us will also admit, and you don't have to raise your hand for this one. You don't want to be that guy. Okay. But how many of us will also admit that if we're not careful, we'll hold on to things in our life that we needed to let go of a long time ago. And so we just compound the things. So in other words, life is bringing situations, but we're holding on to bitterness, to anger, to unforgiveness, to problems, to all these things in our life. We're holding on to those and we're compounding all of these issues in our life and making them worse because we're holding on to things that we should have let go of a long time ago. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. And so what I wanna show you through 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is two types of freedom that's made available to us. The first one is your spiritual freedom. The next fill in the blank, your spiritual freedom. So there's two types of freedom that the Lord has made available to us and wants to introduce for us. The first one is our spiritual freedom. That's our eternal freedom. That's the freedom that is everlasting in our life. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has yet or has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And so here's what I, I want to paint a very basic picture for you here, but we're finding out that some people don't even have this grasp of the gospel yet. So here's what I want to paint for you. 
Jesus came to earth. And so what happens is, how many guys have ever read through parts of the Old Testament or you've seen where in the Bible it's saying, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do that, that and that and don't do this and don't do that. Has anyone ever said that before? So we're reading like, man, how can I follow all of these rules? First of all, I really like shrimp. So y'all know what I'm saying? This group, they're with me over here. I can see it right now. (laughs) Praise God. Yes, shrimp. All my Louisiana folks are like, yes, boil. Anyway, so I know it's not crawfish. You'll get over it. So, but we, we have this thing where we see all these laws. And so what happens is Jesus came. And how many guys will admit we can't fulfill these laws, right? We, can, we cannot live up to this expectation. And how many guys have ever been so consumed and frustrated with yourself trying to be perfect and never meeting the quota? Anybody ever been there before? Cool. I want to show you something. Maybe you've seen this. Maybe you haven't. But I want you to grab a hold of this today. What happened is God saw that we could not be perfection and we could not follow the law. There was no way we could make it there. So what he does is he sends Jesus down to this earth. So Jesus comes fulfills the law because Jesus said in his word, I didn't come to get rid of the law. I came to fulfill the law. In other words, I came to do what none of you could do. I came to accomplish the law. I came to fulfill the law. I came to be all things to the law. So he followed every single one of them, completed the law, and then died on the cross so that we wouldn't have to focus on what we couldn't be. We could recognize what we can be. And so you in your life today, you don't have to worry about all the things you're not in Christ. You get to recognize what you are in Christ. So either that's really deep or y'all hadn't grabbed a hold of it yet. Because when this hit me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, let me get this. I don't have to be perfect. Because some of you aren't going anywhere in your Christian journey. You're, You're waiting until you get there. Before you can start to, well, when I get there, then I'll. No, 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 no. The Lord wants to do a work in you. And guess what? We're never going to get there until we get there, until we get to heaven. Like we're never going to reach this ultimate place of righteousness. We're never going to reach this ultimate place of perfection. And so we can, do do we try to do good? Yes, absolutely. But we get to lean on grace. We'll get into that in a few minutes. All right. So our spiritual fruit, Romans 8, 1 and 2 says that there is no condemnation. There is no attack. There is no uh, payment that needs to be due. So what happens is Jesus comes, he dies on the cross. And when he dies on the cross, this is what happens. How many guys would recognize that you in and of yourself, even if you've never done bad things, like maybe you're a good person, like you, you hold doors for old ladies, right? And you carry out groceries for people. But how many guys would recognize that somewhere in you is still this like sinful nature? How many guys, we're, we're good there, right? Like it doesn't matter how good you are, I'll put it to you this way, and this is the best example I use with everyone. When you were like four years old, how many of you, someone had to teach you how to steal that pack of Bubblicious? <laughs> Nobody, right? You saw it, you wanted it, you took it, right? And then some of us got beat for it, okay? So, but right, no one had to teach you how to do that. Why? Because that's at the very core of us. That something inside of us is just this innate desire to have what we shouldn't have or want what we can't have, or et cetera. So sin is a part of our nature. Are you with me? Here's the good part. The bad part about that is that there is no way with that nature we can go to heaven. There's no way with that nature we can stand before God righteous. Here's the good news. That when Jesus came and he died on the cross, he now paid a debt that we could never pay. 
So because of our nature, because sin is so much a part of us, we owed a debt we couldn't pay. So Jesus came down and lived in perfection so that he could die perfect so that those of us who are not perfect can be made perfect in him. Does that make sense? And so what we have to recognize first is that there is a spiritual freedom that is made available to each and every one of us, but it's only found in Christ. It's not found in the good things that you do, although our faith in Christ should lead to good things, but our faith in Christ is not because of good things. So we have to recognize that there is a spiritual freedom being made available. And then secondly, your inner freedom, your inner freedom. And your inner freedom is your temporary. It's your right now. It's your, uh, it's what's going on here on earth. So here's the best way that I describe this is that how many guys know that for those of us that are walking in Christ, there is something waiting for us at the end of this race. Amen. Like when we get there, we're going to get there and we, we're going to see heaven. We're going to get to see the Lord. We're going to experience all those things. But how many guys know I need something about right now? <laughs> like I had some stuff going on last week that's going to be going on again this week and I need some help tomorrow, right? So eternity is cool and I can't wait for that and that's where all my focus is, but I still gotta go through tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. My week has been pretty crazy up until now. Uh, it's just one of those, how many, you guys ever have those weeks? <laughs> like, please don't let this ever happen again. We, uh, Wednesday night, I taught our gospel class and then Thursday, I had to do my uncle's funeral and then Thursday night, we had worship team rehearsal and then yesterday, you don't even wanna know what went on yesterday, just anarchy all over the place. Air conditioners are breaking. And so we're fixing all these problems. And of course this happens while everyone else is out of town, but whatever. So all this is going on. I preached three times a day after the third service today, me and my brother are driving 10 hours to Kentucky where I have to do a, a funeral for my grandfather in Kentucky tomorrow. And then we have to drive back and I have to teach class again, Wednesday night. So that's the week for me. Okay. <laughs> so that's not even counting family stuff. That's just ministry. Like that's work essentially for us. So I know what it is to have weeks where you're just like, for real right now? <laughs> like the people you love the most, you get angry because they breathe? <laughs> oh, good. Y'all are with me now. Okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, someone sneezes, you're just like, man, I swear. <laughs> so... So I know what it is to have one of those weeks, right? Where life is coming at you. Here's what we want to help you understand. Listen, there is a war inside of us to be complete eternally. The last thing we need to do is compound that with this war to be complete inwardly. But the thing is, is this is what happens to us, right? Because the best place, well, let me, let me read this to you, John 10, 10. John 10, 10 says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is Jesus talking. Now, I came so they may have life and have it more abundantly. Some translations actually break that out into two separate statements. So he says, I come that they may have life, and he's speaking eternally. So I, I come that they may have eternal life in me. And then it, there's a comma, and it says, and I came that they may have temporal life, today's life, more abundantly. So he came so that we could have life eternal life in Christ, but he also came so that tomorrow and Tuesday and when your spouse breathes or whatever, like we can deal with that as well. You feel me? And so what's going to happen is he comes to us, but there's a way that he wants to introduce this to us because how many guys know we're not strong enough by ourselves? How many guys ever tried to run that journey by yourself? You try to be good enough by yourself. It makes you more exhausted than before you started trying. 
So we're running this thing, trying to be everything to all people. And it was, it was interesting to me. I was in, when I was just in Israel a few months ago, um, I <clears throat> mentally prepared myself to kind of walk where Jesus walked. You know what I mean? Like, that's a big thing. Like I'm standing, Jesus stood here. Okay. <laughs> so it was just a big thing for me to be in those places. So I mentally prepared myself to be where Jesus was, but what I did not mentally prepare myself to do was kind of sit in the places where Paul sat. <clears throat> and let me explain to you why that's such a big deal. Paul was, uh, he killed Christians. So he, we're talking about a dude that killed Christians, had a Jesus encounter that literally knocked him off a horse, like knocked him off a horse. They rode horses. Um, then, he had, then he went through... Um, a transition phase, and then he becomes one of the greatest preachers that the gospel's ever seen, writes the better half of the New Testament, and this dude becomes like the boss, Christian example, right? So, but one of the things that Paul makes abundantly clear in his writings is it doesn't matter the trials you face because at the end of this race, it's gonna be worth it. And I'm, I agree with that, but that doesn't necessarily make it easier tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So one of the things, because of everything I'm going through, my, myself and my wife are going through with Jabin, I sat in the prison that Paul sat in. I sat in the same place that Paul sat when he was writing. Um, I sat in different places. We went to different places that Paul went to when he was writing First and Second Timothy, when he was writing you know, uh, different books of the Bible. And like, I became overwhelmed with emotion because I'm reading Paul. And I'm, I'm, I don't know about you guys. I, I try to relate to Jesus, but that just doesn't work very well for me because he was perfect. You know what I'm saying? So he's just like, oh, you know, you're coming to arrest me. Don't cut off his ear. I'm just like, no, you can cut off both ears, arms, you know. So he's just so, Paul is more in my swing. You know what I mean? Like, Paul's like, listen, man, I've been shipwrecked. I've been bitten by snakes. I've been like, people are trying to stone me. They're trying to, whatever. And all this, but I'm just looking forward to the glory of God. So he experienced this heartache that he was so transparent about. He would, he was, he would even go through times where like, I just don't get it, man. I don't know what's going on, but I just know this whole thing's gonna be worth it. And I'm like, you guys, that's a lot of times where I'm at. I'm not just like, you know, it's just, we're just gonna, you know, the Lord is good. No, sometimes I'm crying on the edge of my bed. Like, I would love to know what is going on up there. Oh, good. We're back in the right church again. So feel what I'm saying? Like, I, so I related to Paul. So when we're walking through, we're walking through Israel, man, I was connecting with Paul through so much. And a lot of the things that the Lord was doing in me and through me and was speaking to me about was this great understanding that all things are working together for our good. But can I help you understand something? Our good is centered around his good. So what we're going to go through in life is all centered around what the Lord needs us to encounter so that we can get to the places he wants us to get to for a very specific purpose that I'll introduce to you in just a second. But here's the idea behind inner freedom. You need to experience inner freedom, but the best place to do that is around people that you trust. How many guys would right now walk up on this platform and you would just share your deepest, darkest secrets with everyone in this room? Nope, didn't think so. You wanna know why? I don't trust y'all. All right. I'm just being like, you know what I mean? Because it's none of your business. No, so we, we close ourselves. So how many will you admit, you don't have to raise your hand. How many will you admit this? The, the you, the version of you that we see is not necessarily the version of you that is real all the time. How many guys would admit that, right? In other words, in other words, when you come in here, you put on this sort of mask where everything's okay, I don't have any problems. I smile. I 
put on my good clothes, kind of, or whatever. Like, I'm, so I'm good. I don't really have any problems. But if we were to take that mask off, we would be like, listen, man, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. I don't know what's going on here. My life is chaotic there. And I just don't know how I'm going to get through all this. How many guys will admit, like, man, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many guys, like, are with me to say, there is a me that I don't show to everyone. Here's the idea behind inner freedom. And this is, and you, if you've been in the church a while, you've heard this over and over again. Our solution to becoming free is found in small groups. And here's the reason why. I'm not getting in front of 150 people and telling you all my problems. Why? Because I don't really know you. And to be honest with you, you wouldn't do it because you don't really know me. But how many of you know that if, if I sat across the table from four people or five people or six people that really knew me, that I knew didn't care about what I had to offer, they don't care about how good I preach, they don't care about how I lead worship, they don't care about all these things, they just care about me because they love me. How many of you guys know if I was sitting around a group of those people, I would say, hey, look, man, this, this is the real me. This is what I'm dealing with. And I would love for you to help me get rid of this, take care of this. These are the things that in my life I'm not necessarily happy about, but I need help with. Could you do that? And guess what? When you have brothers and sisters that love you, they don't care about what you come from. They don't care what's going on in your life. All they want to know is how can I help? That's what small groups do for you is they bring you into a community of people that are willing to be there to help you through your struggles, help you through pains, help you through life. Rejoice when things are going great. Pray for you when things are going wrong. Call the cops when you need to hide the body. Whatever it takes. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. But you feel what I'm saying? In other words, we need people around us, man, that are going to be there to lift us up. They're going to be encouragers. They're going to be uplifters. They're going to pray for us. They're going to rejoice when things are going great. And they're going to be there as a shoulder for you to cry on when things aren't going well. But they're always there. But the thing is, you can't find freedom because Jesus said, I came. You can cast your cares on me. In other words, he said, I came so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. So our salvation is found in Christ. But he said that we need to confess our sins one to another. Why? Because our freedom is found in relationships. You can talk to God all day long about what you're going through, but until you can confide that into someone, you're never truly dealing with it because you're never taken off the mask. So we got to reveal ourselves to someone, but we got to reveal ourselves to someone we trust. And that's huge, right? So the best place to experience freedom as far as our inner freedom. So we experience our spiritual freedom in Christ. We experience our inner freedom in relationships, in small groups. The next thing that we want you to understand that the new you has is that the new you has purpose. The new you has purpose. God built you specifically with a very unique gift set. And so he wants to use that. And we're going to show you how. So again, moving along through 2 Corinthians 5, we're jumping down to 18 and 19. He says this, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. How many would say, praise God for that, right? <laughs> How many of us got enough trespasses? <laughs> some, of, some of our lists, some of y'all got a nice, cute little list, but then some of us. <laughs> you ever seen those cartoons where they take out this small box and they open it and then it unfolds this way and then it unfolds this way and then it unfolds down? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so anyways, 
Some of us got a list. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Let me break down reconciliation for you because it says that a few times. And that is to bring into right standings or proper value in sight of. And so what's happening is all this from God who through Christ is bringing our value up to, is bringing our standard up to, is bringing us to right standing in. So when we become reconciled to God, we're being brought up to the value that God has put in us. The only way that can happen is through Christ. So when Jesus, we put our faith in Christ and what he did on the cross, and we're now allowing God to bring our, our value up to where he wants it. So this is what happens. All this comes from God. So in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So here's what's happening in 2 Corinthians 5 is Jesus is saying, all right, I'm gonna make you a brand new creation. Right? So you've come, I'm going to make you a brand new creation. All things are passed away and all things have become new. I'm now going to reconcile you. I'm going to bring your value up to where I have it. But here's why I'm doing that. I'm not doing that so you can say, oh, look at me. I've been reconciled. No, no, no. I'm doing that so you can now go into the world and take a message of reconciliation. So you can take the message that God has now found me where I didn't belong. He's now found, or he's found me where I belong. He's found me and given me the grace that I didn't deserve. He's brought my value up to what he sees my value being. In other words, he's restored me. He's brought me into right standing with him. Now my responsibility is going to a world and introduce them to a gospel that can bring them in right standing with him. So he doesn't make us new just so we can be made new. He makes us new so that we can go into the world and give them the hope that we've now put our faith in. The ministry of reconciliation but there's a unique way that that happens. So within your purpose is this concept that your design reveals your destiny. Your design reveals your destiny. So here's the idea or here's the motive behind that thought. It's that God didn't make a mistake when he made you. I might need to say it again. God didn't make a mistake when he made you. See, what, what happened, the word says that he knew us when he formed us in the womb of our mother. In other words, he knew us before we were ever born. But here's what it also says, uh, or here's the concept that I also want you to grab, is that God didn't make you and then go, all right, now what's this one going to do? No, no, no. What happened, he said, in 2016 in Pensacola, Florida, I'm going to need someone, let's use me, I'm going to need someone who I can trust me to endure a journey of a sick child. But with that child, he's now going to be standing in front of all these people and all these places. I need to entrust someone with this child so that they can speak the gospel in all places despite the pain. So he chose me for this. I didn't just inherit this. So how does that translate for you? He chose you for this. You didn't inherit this. So maybe you're going through life and it's a struggle. Maybe you're broke. Maybe you, your grandma's in poverty, your mom's in poverty. Now you're doing it, whatever. Guess what? You didn't inherit that. He has chosen you for that. So what we need to do is recognize where in that design lies our destiny. That doesn't mean you got to stay there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, ah, oh, well, he chose me for this. So I'm just going to hang out. And that's not what I'm saying. 
What I'm saying is he chose you to be there for a time such as this. Where does it lie? Check out the scripture. Ephesians 2.10 says that for we are God's, everyone say this word with me, masterpiece. All right? So if you're God's masterpiece, I think some of y'all need to stop surrounding yourselves with broke pottery so that you can recognize the true value. But we're going to move on from that because I see a lot of her feelings already. <laughs> For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us. Say those last two words with me. Long ago. So in other words, again, God's not like, hmm, I just don't know what I want this person to do right now. I don't know what I want Debbie or Ashley. I, I, hmm. Oh, here's a good idea. And then plops you in front of somebody. No, no, no. Where you are right now in life, what you're going through right now in life, he planned for this long ago so that you could be in this place at this time. And you could walk out a journey so that, again, going back to 2 Corinthians 5, you could present a message of reconciliation. You could present the gospel. You could present hope. You could introduce God into places that God would not be if he had not brought you there. So some of us are just saying, God, please get me out of here. And he's like, no, 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 no. I want you there. I have you there. We look at guys like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Bible. You know, they're fixing to get thrown into the fire. Their whole thing, I can imagine, I don't know, when you, honey, are you familiar with the story? So these three Hebrew boys are, uh, if they don't bow down to a statue, they're fixing to get thrown into a fire. Now the Bible lays it out and all the stories I ever heard, like they were just cool as a cucumber. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you know what? Throws in the fire, God's got us. I can imagine them freaking out. That's the way I read the Bible. You can do what you want. So I was just, I, I read it. I'm just like, I can imagine me like, yo, God is going to deliver us from this fire. Hey man, you really think he's going to deliver us from this fire? <laughs> I'm just, what if we bow one knee? Is that, does that count? So I can see, I can see, you know what I'm saying? So they, I, they, they, show this picture like it's cool, but I can see them freaking out. So the whole thing is this, like when we come into these trials, we come into these situations, we get engulfed in these surroundings, man, we completely lose our mind. But the idea is that God has actually brought us there. So we're crying to be delivered from the very thing that God has put us in place. The flip side of that is that, uh, how many guys enjoy your job? Anyone here enjoy your job? Like you love what you do. Going to work is not work for you. Right, right. I figured we'd get a little more balanced hand raising on this service. The last service, everyone raised their hand. I was like, oh, wow, awesome. I didn't see that coming at all. This one, some of y'all are like, no. No, I don't like my job, actually. I can't publicly say what I think about my job because I'll get fired from my, no, I'm just kidding. But here's the, here's the thing that I want to help you understand. The reason some of you love your job it's because it's not work for you, right? I'm assuming that's why they say people love their jobs because they don't feel like they're going to work. When they get off work, they don't feel exhausted or whatever because they just love what they do. That's me, I love what I do. This is what I do amidst a number of other things, but I just, I love what I do. Therefore, I don't ever feel like I go to work. Why? Because I'm doing what I was built to do. And some of you, you're in like this in-between place where you're looking for another job and you're never gonna be satisfied until you find the thing until you find the thing and you start doing what you were called to do. Am I right? So here's what I want to help you understand. Because your design reveals your destiny, the purpose, because we're talking about you having purpose, right? 
You have a purpose. Your purpose is intertwined with your destiny and your destiny is intertwined with your design. So the very thing that you're passionate about, the very thing that you're gifted to do is the very thing that God is building you to do. But he's not building you to do it. In other words, he's not building you to do it so that you can have better things. So he's not making... If you're going to school to be a nurse or you're a banker, you're not a banker so you can be a better banker. You're a banker so that you can introduce the ministry of reconciliation to those that need it. In other words, you're, you're a banker so that you can preach the gospel to those that are going to come in the bank. You're not a doctor so that you can be a doctor and you can heal people physically. You're a doctor so that you can heal people uh, spiritually. Do I have to keep going? If you wait tables, if you're a lawyer, if you work with preschool kids, if you, whatever, all of those things, God has designed you specifically for that so that you can bring hope into a world that is hopeless. So 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that he has entrusted us this ministry of reconciliation. He's entrusted us the gospel that is founded in Jesus, but it's uniquely woven into the very design that God has built you for. So everything you're passionate about and everything that's gonna become your profession is not so that you can have better things on earth. It's so that you can be in front of the right people at the right time to preach the good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you guys, but that's awesome. It also allows you to know that you're not an accident. I don't care if you were planned by your mom or whatever, the Lord has a specific design for you right now, today. For those that walk in Christ, he has a plan for us that we could take a message of hope in the gospel and bring it to a world that so desperately needs it. We're gonna keep going. One of the things that, a couple things as far as your design, your destiny, this is not in your notes, but some of you may wanna write some of these down. I just wanna give them to you very quickly. Number one is I encourage you to lose the what's next today syndrome. In other words, like what's next today? Some of you rush through life so fast that you're constantly going from one thing to another, to another, to another. I got to get here next. And then as soon as I finish that, I got to go over here. And as soon as I, and I get, no, like some of you need to just slow down. Because in, again, if we're talking about your purpose and your destiny being intertwined, your destiny and your design being intertwined, God is putting you in strategic places at strategic times to bring a strategic message of hope where hopelessness abides. But guess what? You're never going to see that if all you're worried about is what's next. Well, as soon as we leave church, I gotta hurry up, I gotta go to the restaurant, and then we know we're gonna go to the beach, and then when we go to the beach, we're gonna go to the bed, I'm gonna go there, and then I gotta take a nap. <laughs> That's gonna happen. And then we get, you know what I'm saying? Like, we gotta do all these things. Listen, and I'm, none of those things are bad. Listen, I'm gonna eat. I don't know about you guys, but a restaurant is gonna happen today. At some point, I'm not telling, it may not be Olive Garden, but it's, something's going to happen today because I'm going to eat. I don't know about you guys. Y'all might go hungry. This guy's not doing it, obviously. So anyway, so all that to say, we're going to, those aren't bad things, but we have to stop being so um, consumed by what's next and slow down. The next thing I encourage you to do is stop focus on living for you. Stop focusing on living for you. Well, when, when all of this calms down, then I'll start doing these things that should be done. In other words, when I stop doing all these things that I want to do, then I'll make time for the things that I need to do. What kind of sense does that make? Let's take care of the things we need to do, and we'll do what we want to do with the time we have left. And then the, the last part of this little micro series that I'm giving you now is this one word. I encourage you to write it down. Put it on your kid's forehead whatever you need to do so you can remember it, simplicity. 
Simplicity. Some of you need to simplify your lifestyle. I was talking with my wife the other day, and it was like a complete whim. I was sitting in my office, and much like some of you probably, we have a house full of stuff that I don't even know what it is anymore. I lost track of all of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those things like, oh, we'll take care of that later. And then now it's a pile so big that I'm afraid to breathe around it in case it falls on top of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, just don't go in the garage. People go to open the door. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't open that door. You know what I'm saying? And so I was talking to Ashley the other day and I was like, listen, I think we need to, um, I was like, we need to just get rid of stuff. We need to go through our house. If we haven't touched it in a year, let's just sell it or give it away. I don't care. If we haven't touched it in a year, we're getting rid of it. And she was like, looked at me weird because I'm that guy. Oh, I'll use this eventually. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like we have a, we have a, we don't have a huge house. We have enough room, but all of our room is consumed with stuff that I'm going to get to eventually. So I told her, I was like, we just need to get rid of some of this stuff. If we haven't touched it in a year, let's get rid of it. And our goal for 2016 is that we're just going to simplify our lifestyle. I'm not telling you you have to do this. I'm just giving you some ideas on some things that might help you refocus where it needs to be. Because I know for us, Jabin's sick. We're in doctor. We're she was in a hospital for a whole week, two weeks ago, or last week, or whenever that was. You know, like, and other, things are just happening, and they're happening so fast. We, we have to intentionally simplify. We have to slow down. We have to focus on the right things and not just focus on good things. That makes sense? Anyways, I got to hurry. So um, simplify. Simplicity is huge. Thirdly, is that the new you. We're talking about the new you. The new you has value. The new you has value. So again, rolling through 2 Corinthians 5, the last two verses, which is 20 and 21, it says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we're new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. 18 and 19, uh, we see that because we're new creations and the new has come, we now have taken on this ministry of reconciliation. We've taken on the uh, responsibility to take hope into a world of hopelessness. And how do we do that? 20 and 21 make it clear that number one, we're ambassadors, we're representatives of God. When we go into our workplaces, we go into our communities, our schools, we now carry the badge. We are the ambassadors of Christ. And then we get to go in and introduce people to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him who had no sin, Jesus who had no sin, became our sin so that he could take that from us and we could now be the righteousness of God. How much you guys remember? That's just huge for me. And so here's the last idea I want to give you before you, before we get done, ready to shut it down today, is that you can't lose value, but you can gain value. You can't lose value, but you can gain value. We're talking about the new you. And the new you, who, first of all, is rooted in Christ. And if you're not saved today, we're going to give you the opportunity in just a few minutes to to hear the, the gospel one more time and perhaps commit your life to the Lord. But here's the idea that I want to introduce to you. If you I know you guys are putting those notes away. Let me have your attention real quick because we're going to shut it down in a second. 
You can't lose value, but you can gain value. And here's what I mean by that. Um, <clears throat> Pastor and myself, we used to collect baseball cards. Anyone ever know collecting baseball cards or seen before? Sorry, these baseball cards are these things we used to have when, no, <laughs> I think they still make those. Um, so we had all these baseball cards and we had like 50 gajillion baseball cards. There's no reason for a human being to have as many baseball cards as we had, but we did. And so uh, again, simplicity. So about three years ago, we were like, maybe we should sell some of this stuff because we definitely don't need it. I don't even know what's in those boxes anymore. So we started going through it and we started getting rid of some of it. We gave a lot of it away. We sold some stuff and uh, we stumbled across a Babe Ruth card. For those of you that know baseball and know that that can instantly be worth a lot of money, right? So we look it up and sure enough, a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, wow, this is, you know, that was cool because this thing had some value to it. So, but what happened is we recognized that the baseball card was actually uh, one of three in this little micro series of cards. And if you had all three, they all tripled in value, right? So each one is worth its own value, but if you had the whole set, now it tripled in value. Here's what I want you to understand. Christ in you has already determined your value. If you're in Christ and God is alive inside of you, he's already determined that value that you're worth because you're worth his life. He already paid for you. I don't know, let me say that again. Jesus already paid for you. Some of you are running through life trying to be good enough and he's already made you good enough. You ain't gotta be the Joneses, you just gotta be you. And you gotta be, allow Christ to be resonant in and through you. So he's already determined your value. But anyways, moving on, um, that your value has already been determined. Christ paid for you and he paid a price that can never be paid by anyone else. He paid the ultimate price for you. So your value is already determined, but you can't lose that value because he's already paid it for you. That's the good news. Some of you are also worried about like, oh, I can't do this. I gotta watch where I, whatever. No, no, no. Jesus already paid the price for you. So your value is already determined. Here's the good news. You can't lose that value, but guess what? You can gain more by surrounding yourself with people of the same value. And so some of us are so consumed with this idea, better yet, some of us are so consumed by surrounding ourselves with people that we're not surrounding ourselves with the right people. Some of you need to stop worrying about being alone and understand that people, that being alone is better than being around people that aren't increasing your value. Some of you are, you can't lose it, but to you, when you look in the mirror, you're losing value. So does that make sense? In other words, I'm telling you, you can't lose it, but you're surrounding yourself with people and you're putting yourselves in positions where you feel like you're not worth anything. You feel like your value is gone. You're constantly having, you feel like you're having to work to be worth it. Guess what? You're worth it because Christ already made you worth it. He paid the price for you, friend. And he paid the ultimate price for you, a price you could never pay. He paid it so that now you could be the righteousness of God in Christ. You don't have to work for that anymore. It's already been made available to you. But here's what you can do. You can start surrounding yourself with people that increase that value in you. Some of them crazies you can't get away from. Sorry if I offended you by calling them crazies, but most of y'all would admit they're all crazy. So anyways, some of them, you work with them, whatever, you can't get away from them, but you don't have to give them your heart. You don't have to give your life to that. Start surrounding yourself with people that can add value to you. All right, guys, here's what I want to pray for you. Go ahead and close your eyes across this place. Some of you in here, we 
kind of have to get kicked off on the right step here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that, therefore, if we are in Christ, we're a new creation. The old is gone, the, uh, the new has come. But the thing that we have to understand is we can't have freedom and we can't have purpose and we can't even have value if our life doesn't belong to Jesus Christ. Now, here's the good news. You don't have to be good enough. You can't be good enough to deserve Christ, but you don't have to be good enough to deserve Christ. I'm not good enough to deserve Christ. But Christ, the word says that he saw us in our hopelessness. He saw us in our sin and still came to this world and died for us so that we could have eternal life. So you can't have any of these three things without Christ, but the good news is Christ has already paid a price for you and all you have to do is receive him. So for some of you, you've been wondering over the past, maybe the past couple days, past couple weeks, or maybe you've been sitting in here and the Lord is doing a pulling on your heart. You feel that he is pulling you close to him, that he wants you to know him. So we're not talking about this sermon just gave you this good idea that you need Jesus in your life. No, 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 the Lord is pulling you close to him. And you're saying today, right now, I wanna make a commitment to Christ. I wanna give my life over to him right now. And if that's you, I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna embarrass you. If you wanna turn your life over to Christ today, you wanna acknowledge what he's done for you on the cross, would you just raise your hand right where you are? God bless you. Once you put your hand up, you can put it right back down. Are there more? I wanna commit my life to Christ today. Here's what we wanna do. The whole church is gonna pray this prayer with me. And this prayer does not make you saved. Faith in, in Jesus Christ and the grace made available makes you saved. But this is just a public proclamation that you're making out loud, that you're gonna make a pursuit after Jesus Christ and you're gonna turn your life over to him. The whole church is gonna pray it with us. So let's do this church. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my wrongs. Forgive me of my sins. Make me clean. Make me pure. I acknowledge that you died on the cross for me and that through your death and your resurrection, eternal life is available to me. So take my life, put me back together again, make me new and make me whole. I wanna follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, push your hands together for all those that might have prayed that for the very first time to celebrate with you.